Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're excited you're here, and we hope today's message encourages you, builds your faith, and brings you hope for the future. May God bless you as you listen in to today's message. Who me, part three today. Who me, part three. We've been talking about not judging each other, not pointing fingers at each other, and so on and so forth, but looking at ourselves. And so today, who me, part three, I'd like you to, if you have a note pen, a pad or a pencil or so on, write down some of these notes that you can take for yourself. But I want to talk to you about who me, part three. And I want to talk to you, first of all, looking at yourself, says, what do I need to change before I expect others to? And so I want to talk to you about that today. What do I need to change before I expect others to? A lot of times, what we want to do, we want others to change before we change. And if that's what you're waiting for a lot of times, for others to change before you change, you might be waiting a long time. So I want to encourage you, ask yourself, What do I need to change so that others may also see the change in me? And through my change, they will also change. But also, looking at yourself says, what is my part in the problem or the solution? You see, whenever you're going through a battle or situation or struggle in your life, you have to ask yourself, what am I playing and what is my part in the problem? Or what is my part to the solution? How can I fix things. So you and I are always like mechanics. We're looking to fix things and repair things and also man mend things that need to be mended. Also looking at yourself is an honest heart. In an honest heart. You have to look at yourself in an honest heart, taking an honest inventory of yourself. So God, I have to look at this inventory. What are things in my life that maybe I need to change? What are some things that I need to discard from my inventory that are maybe making me sputter, stammer, and and be maybe upset in my life? So God, let me look at the inventory in my life before I look at someone else. I love the story of David. David was a great man of God in Psalms 51. David was crying out to God, and he made this prayer before the Lord. And in this prayer, he is crying out to God because he had fallen morally. He had fallen morally with Bathsheba. He knew what he had done wrong, and so because of his moral failure, he was crying out to God. And I love what David did. He didn't make excuses that she did this or she did that, but he looked at himself first. And a lot of times what happens whenever we're under a microscope, we always want to make excuses or reasons why we did things. But David didn't make excuses. He took the responsibility on his own hands and he said, this is my fault. It's not her fault. I did this. And a lot of times healing comes when you are honest with yourself and take responsibility for your own actions instead of trying to blame someone else. If you're always blaming somebody else and you're putting it off on someone else, you're never going to get fully healed yourself. But I love what David said. David says in Psalms 51 verse 10, he starts off right off the top, right off the top. He says, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. 
Then he says, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then verse 13 says, then I will teach transgressors your ways so that sinners will turn back to you. I love how David started in verse 10. He started right from the top. He said, God created me a pure heart. You know, your heart is like the engine in your car. You know, if the engine goes bad in your car, everything else falls apart. Believe me, I know that for a personal fact. My truck broke down and I had to take it in to get it fixed and the timing chain belts stretched and there was a lot of work done. Over $3,000 of mechanical work, all because the engine broke down. So if your heart is like the engine and it breaks down, the rest of your body is going to break down too. Your mind, body, soul, and spirit. Because everything flows from the heart. That's why Proverbs says to guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. And so I want to encourage you. David drew from that. And David knew that his heart is the container for Christ to dwell. He knew that, man, my heart is where Christ dwells. And I don't want God to come into a dirty, messy heart. So God, I want you to come into my heart, a place where you dwell, which is pure, which is right, and it's prepared for you to come. You know, if you go to a hotel or a motel or whatever it is, and you pay for it, you expect when you go to your room to be clean. And if it isn't clean, what happens? You're going back to the front desk and you're going to let the maid or the service there know that my room is dirty. Because you expect to get what you paid for, a clean room. And God paid his life for you. He laid down his son for you. And he wants a clean heart with you. That when he comes to live in you, he wants his heart or your heart to be clean. So don't expect God to have anything different than you wanting your motel room to be clean. God wants you to be clean so he can come and live with you. You never notice what it says? To create a pure heart. Now watch this. means taking something old or hard and making it new again. I, I want you to get that. Taking something old or hard and making it new again. That's God's prayer. That God taking something old or something hard and making it new again. The Bible says if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things have passed away and all things become new. So God wants to take something hard and give you something new and, and flesh. And he says in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, I love what he says. I will give you a new heart, a new heart. And I will put a new spirit in you. He's talking about you. That God is in the business of renewing. I don't know about you, but sometimes we need to be transformed. We need to be remodeled. We need to be man, uh, made new in Christ again. And God says, I'm going to give you a new heart and a new spirit. I will remove from your heart of stone your heart of stone, and give you a heart of flesh. And so when I thought about that, I thought, a heart of stone and a heart of flesh. You know, if I know, that if I take water, and I take water and I pour it on a stone, what it's going to do, it's just going to run right off that stone. It's going to run right off. It's going to hit the ground or whatever the case may be. But it's definitely not going to be absorbed in a stone. But 
He says, I'm going to give you a heart of flesh. And it reminds me like a heart of flesh is like a sponge. If you take water and you pour it on the sponge, what happens with the sponge? It starts to absorb the water. And that's what he's meaning by our heart of flesh. He wants your heart to be pliable. He wants your heart to be like a sponge to receive all that he has for you. But I thought about this. What causes are causes of a hard heart? Have you ever thought about that? Maybe sometimes we just go through life and maybe we're grumpy, we're mad, we're sad, we're upset, and we don't even realize that we have a hard heart. And so when God tries to speak or God tries to pour out his spirit upon us, it just runs right off us because maybe we don't even recognize or realize that we have a hard heart. But what are causes of a hard heart? Number one is sin. Sin. Sin is the first thing. Sin says this. Sin is anything that goes against the morals or standards of God. It's sin. Sin is anything that goes against the morals or standards of God. What does he say in in the Ten Commandments? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, that there shall be no other God before you. Thou shalt love your neighbor. He says these things, but what happens is if we start doing anything opposite of that, it begins to hard our heart. And so what I'm saying to you today, what are some things in your life that maybe you're going against the morals or the standards of God that are squeezing out God and making your heart harder? I love this. Sin will take you farther than you want to go. How many of you know that's so true? It'll take you farther than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, and take more than you want to give. That's what sin does. It will take you further than you want to go, cost you more than you want to pay, and take more than you want to give. That's what sin does. And if you're walking in sin and you're doing things that are opposite of the morals and standards of God, what happens? It hardens your heart. The second thing that hardens our heart or causes our heart to harden is listening to wrong voices. I always say wrong voices make wrong choices. The Bible says in John chapter 10 verse 27, he said, my sheep heareth my voice and they follow after me. I always say this, listening to wrong voices, listening to wrong voices for advice or guidance in your life can lead to dead ends and to a hard heart. Many of you have a hard heart towards God or the sensitivity for God because maybe you listen to the wrong voice and it caused pain in your life. And so what you're doing is your heart has become hard and now you're mad at God and you say, God, I tried to listen to you, but God, you led me down a dead end. And a lot of times what happens is God will never lead you down a dead end. He said, I'll lead you down a path of righteousness for my name's sake. But a lot of you, may have got a hard heart because you listened to the wrong voice and it caused pain, confusion, and hurt in your life. And so now instead of getting mad at the enemy, you're mad at God and your heart has become callous. Another one that hardens our heart is hatred. Hatred. Hatred is running rapid right now in our society. Hatred towards our brother and sister or our fellow man. (coughs) Excuse me. 
And so a lot of times we're walking around, we hate this person, we hate that person, even though you may not say that you really hate it or you don't feel that, but you know your words have the life of power and death. And when you say you hate, that's pretty strong. And so what you're actually doing, you're giving the enemy permission or you're giving him an open door. When you use the word, I hate him, I hate her, I hate this, you're giving that enemy a door or an avenue to come in to harden your heart. You see, listen, the only thing we should hate is sin or anything that gets between you and the Lord. That's what we should hate. What is what we're separating me from God? What is getting me further away from the Lord? Those are the things that you should hate. You see, whatever you crave after, you're going to go after. So if you start craving after this or craving after that, and it doesn't line up according to God, what you're going to do is draw further away from God. But what you need to do is you not despise those things or hate those things that get between you and God. That's the only time that it gives you permission to hate. Another one is a big one. What causes a hard heart is anger. Anger causes a hard heart. Anger destroys and always leaves you picking up the pieces. How many of you know that's true? It's always leaving you picking up the pieces. I thought this was funny. Anger is like a drug. It feels good for the moment. How many of you know you blow off some steam? Man, maybe you throw things, you do things, you whatever. Man, and it makes you feel good. You got that sigh of relief. You got it off your, your, your shoulders. But it has side effects, a lot of side effects. You know, you ever see those commercials? They're advertising maybe if you have bladder problems, you got eye problems, you got this, you got that. They tell you about the medication. But then after the end of that, they tell you all the side effects. Well, if you take this medicine, it could cause you migraine. Or it could cause you pain in your back or this, that, and the other thing. And it tells you all the side effects so much about this medication that you're like, Man, I don't think I want to buy that because, man, it causes more side effects than it really helps me. But that's what anger does. There's so many side effects through anger. Anger causes side effects maybe between you and your spouse. It drives you further away. You say things you shouldn't say. Maybe from your kids, maybe you reach out and instead of a hand of love, you give them a hand of fellowship or you give them a hand to smack them over the head. But that's what anger does. There's so many side effects to anger. But another one, and I believe this is the enemy's biggest one, is unbelief. Right now, we are caught in a, man, right now, caught in a, the middle of unbelief. You know, we're caught in a situation where it's good or it's bad. Does God really live? Does he not live? Does God really hear? Does he not answer? We're on this thing. But unbelief is one of the devil's greatest weapons. I want you to get that. One of the devil's greatest weapons. It will always make you question. Now, you got to get this. It always make you question God's guidance. Have you ever done that before? When unbelief creeped in, all of a sudden, man, what did you start doing? Questioning his guidance, his provision. Man, God, you said you're going to supply all my needs. That's what unbelief does. It questions his provision, protection, and his wisdom. That's what the enemy wants you to do. And the Bible says in James that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. So I want to encourage you, listen, if you're walking with unbelief, 
Unbelief will bring confusion instead of peace. It puts you in part that you end up doing nothing. That's what unbelief will do. And so a lot of times what happens is you may be frustrated. You may be discouraged right now. You may be mad at God because you're put in part. And you know what happens when you don't do anything and you have no motivation, no drive? You become stagnant, stinky, and stale whenever you're not moving forward or progressing. And when you're walking in unbelief, it'll put you there. But I love what it says in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. And you can see the parallel between the spirit and the flesh. The Bible says, so I say, walk by the spirit. Walk by the spirit, the things of God. God, I crave after you as a deer pants for the water. So my soul pants after you. Matthew 5, 6, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be full. God, I want to walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. The desires of the flesh are opposite are opposite things of the Spirit. Man, the, the, the Spirit desires love, peace, joy. But the flesh desires hatred, Bitterness, anger, that's the opposite, the flesh or the spirit. You choose what you want to do or what your, what your decision is, what choice you want to make. Do you want to walk in love or do you want to walk in hatred? But we're like in a tug of war. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. So you get that? You're being pulled on both sides. They are in conflict with each other. Now watch this. you got to get this so that you, referring to you right now, that you are not to do whatever you want. So, so in other words, what that does, it puts you in part. How do you get over unbelief? You take a stand for the things of God. That, God, I'm not going to waver. I'm not going to man, man, be double-minded. I'm going to be set on you. A lot of what we see in our country today is heart condition. That what we're seeing in our country today is a heart condition. I believe that people, man, really love one another, but their hearts have become hardened. Their hearts have become callous for whatever reason. Maybe they've fallen away from God. Maybe they face rejection. Maybe they face this. But our hearts have become calloused. I look at this. Our country, our world, needs a heart transplant like of Jesus in them. We need a heart transplant. Our country, our world needs to come back to Jesus. And I want to tell you, it starts with you. We cannot expect our world to be different if we are not in our own hearts. You can't expect someone else to change or to follow Jesus if you yourself have a hard heart, if you yourself have drifted away from God. The Bible says he doesn't want you to be lukewarm or he'll spool you out of our mouth. The Bible says we can honor God with our lips, but our hearts is far from him. Where is your heart with God? What's happening with our world? We, Our world has drifted away from God. The Bible says if you drift away from God, he'll remove his lampstand from you, which represent his presence from your, your, your presence. He'll remove his presence from you. So you wonder why maybe you don't sense or feel God? Maybe because your heart is hardened. That's what's happening in our world. Let us examine our ways and test them. And let us return to the Lord. That's what Deuteronomy says in Deuteronomy 3, verse 40. Let us once again examine ourselves. Examine our hearts. Take a look at us. So ask yourself, 
What can I do different? What can I do different? Then the second part of that is, what can I change? What can I change in me? Not him or her. Like I said earlier, don't expect them to change before you change. Someone has to start. And what do I need to give over to the Lord? Maybe you have things in your life that you're holding on to that are more of a priority than God. That's why the Bible says in Matthew 6, verse 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you. So ask yourself, what can I do different? You wonder why you're like a dog going around the same tree? Maybe there's something that you need to do or change and be different. Maybe there's something, what can I change? Well, what can I give over to God? What can I give over to Him? It would be, if, if we would do our part, if we would do our part, God will start to do a better place in your life. He will do better in you. I love this. If you would do your part, it is to start to be a better place with God, others, and yourself. If you would do your part, it will start to be a better place with God, others, and yourself. But I love what David said in Psalms 51. Psalms 51, verse 10, he says this, a steadfast spirit. In other words, a spirit to sustain me, God, Created me a clean heart or a pure heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit in me. And then he says, give me a steadfast spirit. In other words, to be strong. Our prayer every day should be, God, give me the strength to be strong in the storms of life. You see what David said? God, not only give me a pure heart, but God, once you clean me up and once you change my heart, God, give me the strength in the ability to be strong. Because David knew he was going to face storms. He knew he was going to face opposition. He knew he was going to face persecution. So he said, God, I can't do it on my own. Maybe you're feeling that way right now. Maybe you're feeling that, God, I can't do this. I'm not strong enough. I'm not able to do this. But listen to this. Being a believer in Christ is a daily lifestyle, not just when it feels good. You see, being a believer in Christ is a daily lifestyle, not just when it feels good. You see, when you're happy, you're going to sing a happy tune. But when you're sad, you're going to sing the blues. You see, with God, God, I'm going to be thankful in all circumstances, for this is the will of, in Christ Jesus, that God, I'm going to be thankful. Lord, I may be weak, but God, you are strong. And that's why Paul is saying to Corinth, the church in Corinth, and, and, and in 2 Chronicles chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, he says this, and I love how Paul pins these words. He is excited in his weakness because when he's weak, God becomes strong. And he says this, but he said to me, my grace, or God's grace, or power, strength, is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. Are you feeling weak right now? You see, one of the reasons why God says when your weakness, he's made powerful. Because if you were strong in your own ability, there would be no need for God. But right now, maybe you're feeling weak. This is where God wants to come in. Because if you're running on your own strength, your own ability, what would that really prove where God is? 
God looks for the weak. He doesn't look for the strong. He looks for the weak to be able to use to show his power through you. Maybe you're at a weak point in your life right now, but I want to encourage you. Allow God to fill that void of weakness with his strength. He said, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness. So in other words, what Paul is saying, hey, I admit I'm weak, I'm fragile, I'm frail, I'm not capable of taking on these burdens, these situations of my life, but God, I'm going to be like David, give me a steadfast spirit with your strength, your power, your ability. So he says, God, I'm going to boast all the more, God, hey, I need you, Lord. More than words can say, I need you more. So he said, so that Christ's power may rest on me. So he says, God, I'm going to empty out so that you can fill me up. The more you empty, the more he pours. The more you empty, the more he pours. I want to encourage you. Maybe you're at a weak moment in your life. Well, let me congratulate you. That's when God can really show himself to you. When you're up to nothing, God is up to something. That's when God can do something big in your life. He says this, I love in verse 10, this is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, insults, in hardships, and persecution. Are we going through that right now? In difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Aren't we going through that right now? Persecution, hardships, all these things in our life right now. Isn't that where we're at in our world? God, I don't know what to do. Isn't that what Jehoshaphat said? God, I don't know what to do. But then he says this, my eyes are upon you. You see, God took his weak state of life and he blessed Jehoshaphat in the midst of his battle. He will bless you in the midst of your battle. That's why Paul said, I boast all the more. But I love this, the strength of our weakness always begins with brokenness. God, I, I just lay myself before you. I break, Lord God, before you. Not my will be done, but God, your will be done. Lord, I, I lay it out before you, Lord. I, I'm broken. I'm at my wit's end. I don't know what to do, where to turn, what to do, what to say. But God, you do, and I trust you. God is looking for weak people whose strength comes from him. You see that? He's looking for you right now. Maybe you're on the couch right now. Maybe you're ready to throw in the towel. Maybe you're ready to quit on your marriage, on your job, on your kids, whatever the case may be. And you're weak, you're fragile, you're frail, you're, you're just wore out. Well, I'm here to give you encouragement. That's when God really shows himself. Listen, faith thrives. Faith thrives in holy discomfort. Man, that's when God really shows himself in the midst of your storms or in the midst of your discomfort. Trust God. Trust him during this time. When you are feeling weak, do not give, to, do not give in or give up. Do not give in or give up. Trust him. Believe his word and wait for the answer. Did you get that? Trust him. 
believe his word. We talked about what hardens our heart, unbelief. You have to believe his word. His word will not return void. It'll accomplish that which it said it will do. Heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will never pass. Upon this rock, he will build his church, and the gates of hell should not prevail against it. The church is you and I, and God is building his church, and he will not prevail against it. All the attacks, the wiles of the enemy, that's his word. That's his encouragement to you. So I want to encourage you and wait for the answer. Waiting for the answer is probably the hardest part. Waiting and trusting is always the hardest part, but it's the most rewarding part. Isn't that true? Man, when we go to McDonald's and we have to wait over five minutes, we get so mad. We get upset. We start maybe honking our horns or whatever. Where's our food? How come it's taking so long? But sometimes with God, it takes maybe longer than you anticipate. But always remember this. In the midst of your waiting, God is never too early, nor is he never too late. He is an on-time God. So if you're still waiting, man, this could still Continue to anticipate, continue to have that expectancy level that God is still working. He's still doing something. It's the hardest part is the wait, but the rewards are great when you wait. But I love what it says in Isaiah. Isaiah 40, verses 28 through 31. He shares this. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God. Now, you got to get this. He's an everlasting God. He is yesterday and today and forever. He's the great I am. He's the same. He never changes and who he is. His character is that he always loves you, cares about you. He's an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. So if he created the earth, and man, he knows everything about the earth, he also knows about you. He knows right where you're at right now. But then he goes on to say, I love this. He will not grow tired or weary. God never grows tired or weary. You may, but he never does. God never gets tired or weary. Now watch this. And his understanding, no one can fathom. God understands. Have you ever said this before? No one understands me. No one really understands where I'm at right now. Yes, God understands. He knows where you are right now. And not only does he know where you're at, and not only does he understand where you're at, but he has the answers to your situation or your pressures of life. But then he goes on to say this. I love this because it's so cool. He knows and he has all the understanding. But watch this. He gives strength to the weary. Is that not you? Is that not you right now? The strength to the weary? He understands that you're down, you're fatigued, you're wore out, you're ready to quit. So what does he come? He comes to your rescue and says, I'm going to give you strength. And he says, and increase the power of the weak. Wow. What happens? Weakness or brokenness shows the results of God in your life. God doesn't look for full. He looks for empty. God doesn't need old wineskins. He needs new wineskins. The old wineskins will burst, but the new ones will be able to receive. Maybe you're at a place right now that God wants to do something big in your life. Now watch this. Even the youth go tired and weary. I don't know about you, but I have my grandkids with me, and, man, they have so much energy. And I can't wait till 8 o'clock comes at night. 
so we can finally put him to bed and I can kick back and relax. They have so much energy, but when Isaiah is saying the youth grow tired and weary, I'm kind of like, yeah, let me see that, right? But then he says, and young men stumble and fall. So are you in that category? Are you tired? Maybe you stumble and you fall. But watch this. But those who hope in the Lord, maybe, just maybe, you need to get your expectancy level back. You need to get that hard heart back into a heart of flesh. You need to get rid of that stone and be a sponge so that God can begin to speak to you again. He says, and renew his their strength. He said, those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. But look at how he describes that. They will soar on wings like eagles. Man, you ever see an eagle? Man, they're massive birds. But you know what's so cool about an eagle? A lot of times they don't even flap their wings. They get caught up into the currents of, of the wind, and it just carries them. Isn't the one part of the Holy Spirit, the breath or the wind? And you know what God wants to do? He wants to breathe on you. He wants the wind of the Holy Spirit just to lift you up and say, just be still. Just relax. Know that I got this in your life. Then he goes on. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. I want to just encourage you today. Let God and wait on him. We do not have to become like the world. The world should become like us. We don't have to fall into the temptations or traps or things that the world is doing. What makes us different is I'm a Christian. Christian means Christ-like. So God, take out the stony heart in me. Give me a steadfast spirit to be strong and be a representation of you, even in my weakness right now, in all the temptation that I'm facing right now. Let me, God, be like you. We should not have to become like the world, but the world should become like us. Jesus. We should become like Jesus. We should become like him. So I want to encourage you today. I want to encourage you today. If you are feeling tired, if you are feeling hard, maybe in heart, maybe you need to say, God, what do I need to change in me? If we would all do our part, if we would all do our part, we could make this place a better place. I see on TV, man, all what's going on in our society. A lot of hate, a lot of anger, all these things. Let us be the ones that lead the charge as a believer and say, God, let me do something different. Let me, God, be the leader in my family, that they can see that I'm being a, a believer in Christ on my job, in my workplace, with my friends. Let's not be just dive into what everybody else is doing. Let's have a Daniel spirit. Let's have a Joshua spirit who had a different kind of spirit that when they came back to 12 spies and said we couldn't do it, Joshua said, we can do it. And so can you. You got a can-do spirit. You don't have to go with the norm. It's easy to go with the flow, but it's harder to go against the flow. And right now, maybe you're being challenged. Maybe you're so full of anger and hatred and bitterness and you want to shake your fist at God and at the world. But I want to encourage you today, let go and let God become big in the areas of your life that need the change. And you will be modified. You will be transformed 
and you will be made new. Let me pray with you. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for every individual that is watching today. Lord, we saw the causes of a hard heart. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's hatred. Maybe it's unbelief. Maybe it's anger. These things that are causing a hard heart in our lives. And I pray that, God, you will take the stony heart out and give us a heart of flesh. That, Lord, let us not only say that we're believers, let us not say that we're just Christians, but, Lord, let us be like Deuteronomy says, we are peculiar people. Peculiar people means different, not going with the flow, but going against the flow, raising up the standards of who Jesus is. Let people see Jesus in us. Let us love. Let us forgive. Let us, Lord, accept. Lord, let us move on, Lord God, in the things that you have for our lives. So, Father, if there are those that are feeling weak right now, I pray that, God, you'd bring hope to them right now, as you say in your word, that, God, you come to heal the brokenhearted, you come to bind up their wounds. Lord, you say you come to bring hope to the hopeless. And so, Father, do so today. We thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for watching today. And I want to encourage you, maybe next Sunday, maybe you feel like you want to come and worship with us live. Man, we encourage you to come. Like I said, 1015 to Soros on 35 and 70. We welcome you to come. God bless you today. Have a great day in Jesus. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, please consider supporting us. You can make an easy and safe donation on our website www.adventurechurchsiren.com slash give. Thank you for your generous donation.